This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Stitch Fix and by Mac Weldon. What's up, gamers? Hello. So earlier this month, you were probably really stoked about Nintendo's big announcement of the long-rumored Switch Pro, the beefed-up 4K version of the most popular console on the market. Popular portable console. I don't know. I uh, guess maybe it is one of the most, yeah. So you were stoked about that. Here it comes, baby. F*** the haters. It's the 4K Switch, except, uh-oh, you probably then were pretty disappointed when you saw that Nintendo actually only announced a new Switch with a slightly better OLED screen and no other changes. Oh, that OLED, though. Yeah. I gotta have it. It's OLED. The blacks are very dark. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, here's some potentially good news for you to make up for all that. Valve just made the huge announcement this week that they're going to be selling a handheld of their own with a similar form factor to the Nintendo Switch, but with access to your entire Steam library of games. It's called the Steam Deck, and it has generated some strong opinions. Most of them very positive. Yeah, this thing looks cool. And look, anyone who's been gaming on a PC for any number of years has a very packed Steam library, yeah. and a lot of games that you probably haven't played that you just bought during Steam sales. I have a lot of games that I would probably only ever play for the rest of my life on an airplane or in a waiting room. So the reason that this is cool is that it's it's portable Steam, and chances are you've already got an extensive library. Yeah. So that's great. Now, first off, Valve isn't the first company to try something like this. Way back in 2013, Razer had the Razer Edge which was a powerful Windows tablet PC with controllers attached to the sides. Now, it was well-received at the time, but it cost $1,300, and it didn't really have the performance to back up that price point. And it was also big enough that calling, a, calling it a portable was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it's not going in anyone's pockets, not even Jenko's. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, technology has obviously come a long way in the last eight years, though, and the Steam Deck has some really impressive specs at a very reasonable price point. Compared to desktop PC gaming, there's... Of course, all of the typical limitations that you'd find in gaming laptops, for instance. But this is literally a portable all-in-one gaming PC that's only slightly larger than Nintendo Switch, which is nuts. Yeah, so in terms of specs, you got a 7-inch, 60 hertz, 1280 by 800 LCD screen. The processor is a 4-core, 8-thread APU, which is uh, basically AMD's name for their CPU-GPU hybrids. And for RAM, there's 16 gigabytes of uh, LPDDR5 RAM. Uh, it runs off SteamOS, which uh, is Valve's custom Linux operating system that they originally developed for those, uh, those third-party Steam machines that didn't really catch on a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, as you recall, the idea was for hardware makers to sell dedicated gaming PCs with a size, a price, and a level of performance to match the Xbox and the PlayStation. It was a decent idea, but it turned out that the market for that kind of crossover product was not as big as Valve had hoped. Uh, so SteamOS, it was also very limited in capability, uh, but it sounds like this new SteamOS is a lot more capable. It's basically a whole new thing. But also... It's on a portable gaming device, so it doesn't even need to be anything above and beyond what you would expect out of a gaming device. It doesn't need to be, but it is. Yeah, well, and which is cool. Yeah. I'm just saying, when you're like building you know, a bunch of brands doing PCs specifically for gaming like that, it's like, all right, that's nice, but how about doing a bunch of other stuff that a normal PC does? And they also ran into the issue of, you know, you could just build a regular PC that specs out to an Xbox One yeah. for relatively cheap anyway. Yeah. Anyways, the new Steam OS is built on Proton, which lets Windows applications run on Linux-based operating systems and can function as a fully capable PC when plugged into a monitor, keyboard, and mouse. 
But also, and, and this is huge, Valve is perfectly okay with people wiping SteamOS from their devices and just installing Windows. Now, in either case, what that means is you'll be able to install other game stores like Origin, Uplay, the Epic Game Store, and Xbox Game Pass. So this is a Valve device designed for using Valve's library, but you're not under any obligation to use it that way. Yeah, that's uh, pretty insane. It's kind of unheard of for what is essentially still a console, and it's very refreshing. It's much like with cross-platform play. I never, never thought I'd see it in my lifetime, but uh, yeah, Valve, they're, they probably very wisely realize they're like, people are going to be turned off by the fact that this, the hardware might be great, but you're stuck with the Steam library. You can't play Fortnite on it. So they're like, whatever, you want to do that, do that, whatever. Yeah. It's, your, it's your machine. You bought it. Uh, Valve designer Lawrence Yang told uh, IGN, who got the... He, IGN got all the exclusives yeah. on this. Uh, he told them, we don't think people should be locked into a certain direction or a certain set of software that they can install. If you buy a Steam Deck, it's a PC. You can install whatever you want on it. You can attach any peripherals you want to it. Maybe a better way to think about it is that it's a small PC with a controller attached as opposed to a gaming console. And uh, as for attaching peripherals and whatnot, uh, there will be an official dock sold separately with ports for displays, Ethernet, USB, and power. But also, any third-party powered USB-C port will also work. Cool. Which is great. Another is just like, yeah, whatever, if you got it already. Sure, plug it in. Ours is great, but if you got one already, sure, I don't give a shit. Yeah. But uh, back to the actual hardware. Again, it looks very similar to the Switch. On the front, you've got two joysticks, a D-pad, four buttons. But there's also two trackpads on the front for doing mouse stuff, similar to the uh, Steam controller. And then there's two triggers on each side, and on the back, there's two more pro-style grip buttons on each side. That's 16 buttons, which is more than enough for most games. And we're not sure if the thumbsticks will be able to click or if you'll be able to use the trackpads as buttons, but that would be four more buttons. So, a lot. You're not going to run into too many issues yeah, here. Yeah, not going to... Especially because yeah. a lot of games have controller remapping yeah. specifically uh, on the Steam library. Yeah, and they, they said the controller mapping is going to be super easy, mm -hmm. which you would assume. Plus, as you could expect, the screen is touchscreen. Yeah. So that would make things a lot more intuitive for a lot of games out there. Yeah, yeah. And that's all great, but you know, how does this thing actually run? Well, we don't know. But based on what IGN has said about their hands-on preview of the Steam Deck, uh, it runs pretty well. You won't be playing anything at max settings, but it sounds like most games can comfortably run at standard or even high graphics settings, and that includes like games that came out this year. Mm -hmm. uh, a big reason for this is also uh, one of the biggest complaints, though, about the Steam Deck, that 1280 by 800 resolution. That's a lot fewer pixels to have to render uh, compared to like 1080 or 4K. So the relatively weaker hardware uh, can really punch above its weight at that resolution. That's the trade-off. Uh, but still, a screen resolution that's only slightly better than the Nintendo Switch is going to be a deal-breaker for some people. I mean... I, I can't imagine. You're it holding because, it in your hands. Yeah. It's seven inches. It's funny. Like, if you're holding it up to your face, yeah, you're going to notice some problems with it. That's but. the thing. is like the Switch, not perfect, but, you know, the fidelity of the graphics when you're traveling with it is exceptional. Yeah. It's great. And yes, you're going to have to make some sacrifices because you're playing whatever Steam game you want in your hands on an airplane or a bus or a subway. It's, it makes a lot of sense. It's a handheld gaming PC. You, it, <laughs> yes, and you're going to be sacrificing uh, performance if you upscaled the graphics. So like, they're doing what is right for this specific platform. Yeah. Now, other complaints we've seen have been about the uh, button placement on the front, which does look maybe a bit odd and uncomfortable, but IGN didn't say anything to back that up. And another critique that's probably a lot more valid, 
but also kind of inherent to this kind of product, is that repairs are going to be a real pain in the ass. Yeah. At least with the Switch, you can replace your Joy-Cons when they inevitably start drifting, even though that's extremely frustrating. I've been through three sets now since I've had it. Have they acknowledged that it's even a problem yet? They... I think if it's under warranty, you can send it in and get uh, some. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I just, like, if a Joy-Con thing goes on sale and it's like, it's not that annoying, but it's annoying enough, especially yeah. if you're playing a precise game. So uh, I haven't done the, the ship back thing. Because at least the first time it's like, I've shipped them back for replacement. Now I can't play it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, there's also the battery life, which is two to eight hours, uh, depending on what you're playing. Cyberpunk, probably two hours. Finding of Isaac, probably eight hours. Yeah. So, I mean, as everyone already does, keep a power brick in your bag. Yeah. You'll be good to go. And people are, of course, complaining about the price. It's it's $399, which is honestly incredible for something like this. But that only gets you 64 gigabytes of onboard storage. For $539, you get 256 gigabytes. And for $649, you get 512 gigabytes. But it's important to note that all models have a micro SD slot for installing games. Yeah, it's and they're infinitely dirt cheap. expandable. And the, the onboard storage is really good storage. I don't know enough about this specific type of solid state uh, they storage. Work fine. But they it's, work fine. it's very fast. Mm -hmm. It is yeah, it is annoying that it's it's tiered like that, like the way phone like iPhones are. It's like, why does it cost this much to have marginally more space? But, it's for people that don't really care and just want yeah. to not have to worry about an SD card. But yeah, I mean, just like the Switch, micro SD card, you can get those for real cheap now. I mean, you could literally make your own little game cartridges with like, yeah. this is uh, games A through C on this little one or yeah, whatever. Game cartridges that you can accidentally swallow just by like breathing into they it. Don't, they don't make them nasty tasting like the Switch. No, no. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, regardless of whether uh, this Steam Deck is something that we're personally in the market for, I'm with, with me, I think probably not, but also it's like, it's one of those things that if I had like more fuck you money lying around, I totally would get it. Uh, if we were like, if we were traveling like we used to, yeah, then I would probably get. It. I, would I just don't travel very much anymore. Yeah, I don't really have a use for it. And but. like, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> Magic: The Gathering Arena is available on the phone, so I just <laughs> use that. Yeah, the only game you play. You it's know. the only I've tried. I, I even restarted Cyberpunk, and I was like, nope, I cannot get into playing a fucking game right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, regardless of how you feel, it does seem like a really impressive product that Valve spent a lot of time carefully developing. Like they don't, Valve doesn't release stuff on a whim. It's, uh, uh, have you seen uh, the the greatest uh, name for this device? No. The Gabe Boy. That's good. Yeah, it's good. The Gabe Boy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So this doesn't come out until like around Christmas time. So it's gonna be a little while before we get like a better idea of just how well it actually runs. But we got to imagine Nintendo is probably shitting their pants just a little bit right now. I don't know. Nintendo's all about exclusives. They are, and that's how, like, the hardcore Nintendo army are all about that. But, like, Steam, they, Steam also has a massive library true. of, like, similar sort of, like, old-school-looking games. Yeah. You, look, you're not wrong. I just don't think Nintendo's worried. They Between Zelda, Smash Brothers, and Mario, they're like, look, we, we don't care. And that wheel. Yeah. Getting in shape it, with the wheel. Is the is the is it motion tracking this steam? Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention that. It well it does have this feature where like uh they didn't go into it too much, but it's like if you're playing a first person shooter, yeah, this is this is funny because this is how like when you're a little kid and you're playing video games, you just like naturally yeah. sort of like turn the wheel. Like now you that like peak? that actually has an effect on movement in the game. Huh. 
which is interesting. I, I, I can see how that I can see that either being super annoying or something that you get so used to that you're now unable to play on any other machine. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. I don't know how capable it really is, like beyond slight movements, but um, probably not going to be a lot of like rhythm games and workout games on there. That's but the thing. Is like the the Nintendo Switch is very loud. What they need to do is put LEDs all over this thing so that people on a plane know you're playing the the Steam Deck. That guy's they, playing a Nintendo. Yeah, because like, the whole plane is lit up from your seat. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, what do you think? Have you already placed your pre-order? Are you one of the Nintendo weirdos who, by default, hates this? Uh, stay out of my territory. Or are you an uh, insecure PC master race gamer who thinks that this is just for casuals who need to stay off my playground? Sound off in the comments below. Look, I uh, the Switch, I traveled recently. I used it for two things, as always. Donkey Kong and Binding of Isaac. Mm -hmm. Binding of Isaac will be on here, but I already have it for the Switch. Yeah. But it's great to play Donkey Kong Country or whatever else. Uh, Switch has good games. I bought Mario Golf and I've played a couple rounds. It's not my favorite thing, yeah. but uh, I bought it so me and my wife could play against each other. It's it's fun. I don't think it's worth sixty fucking dollars. Uh, it's the first game I paid full for, like full old old game price for in a long time, and it was like I was like. Mm. Mm, okay, but it's it's like a fun game that my wife play. It felt so weird paying full yeah. price for something, and it really isn't worth it. Mm. It it isn't. Well, the, so the donkey video is very funny. Did you see it about Mario Golf? Yeah, no, I haven't seen it yet. I'll it's have to really, watch it. It's it's, a, it's one of his finest works. It's, <laughs> it's one of the dumbest videos he's made. Okay, did you see the Means TV video where they go through the? Oh no, this was this was uh, Mario Kart, I believe. But they go through each character and assign their political spectrum. It's great. No, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll show you after the video. You'll find it. Anyways, uh, moving on now to uh, some Amazon news. It's not enough that Amazon works its employees to death, doesn't pay taxes, and is clearly in need of antitrust regulation. They've also made life hell for a lot of women and young girls whose parents made the horrible mistake of naming them Alexa before that name was entirely associated with Amazon's Echo Assistant. That's what middle names are for. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it is pretty messed up that unlike Apple and Google, Amazon just went with an actual human name that people have, like, used forever for the word that you're supposed to shout at a machine. It's messed yeah. up. Uh, the BBC, they recently reported on this uh, horrible phenomenon. Uh, here's some examples uh, from that article. Heather's, not her real name, teenage daughter Alexa received abuse from other children and even teacher because of her name as soon as she started secondary school. Quote, she started to not want to introduce herself because of the jokes and the backlash. She was and still is a child, yet adults thought it was okay to make a joke of her. It's devastating. The school was unhelpful and told her she needed to build resilience. Heather says it took a huge toll on her daughter's mental health. Ultimately, they decided to legally change Alexa's name. Oh She's in a much better place now. We have cut off friends and moved her to a new school to allow a fresh start. The injustice will never leave her or us. Amazon must change the default wake word on its devices. There was clearly not enough ethical research into using Alexa. This is like a supervillain origin story. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, <laughs> If you're unlucky enough for this, you, you're not going to battle Amazon. You have to go with your middle name. Or, or, you, or, or you have legally, to change your name. Legally change your name as a child. Like, it's fucking wild. Yeah. I mean, Alexa? Like the app? Like no the speaker? Alexa. And Alexa. It, I'm sure that this extends to people with the name Alexis, too. Because it's close enough. Alexis? Like Alexa? Yeah, I uh, got some. Uh, th there was a joke with a southern accent calling uh, is Alexis. 
or something like that. And it, and it picks it up, mm. the Alexa device. Oh, called Alexa. Alexa? Yeah, and it works. Uh, here's more from that article. Charlotte, again, not her real name, says her daughter, Alexa, is only six, but is already being picked on. It started in reception. Older children would say things like, Alexa, play disco. Other boys picked up on it and shouted commands at her. We were at the park the other day, and every single boy there was saying it to her constantly. She started clamming up. I think it's affecting her confidence. Adults make fun of her, too. She said to me, I wish people didn't know my name. People buying these devices are unwittingly adding to the problem. Six years. This, that's kind of the, the parents' fault. How is it the parents' fault? Oh, no. Six years? Well, so this is in the UK, and uh, the Alexa devices didn't launch there until, like, 2016. So, right on the cusp. Still, young enough to, to change their name, and the kid would have no idea. No I mean, idea. Yeah. Like, no, your name's just uh, probably Michelle or whatever. Like, look, that's what your name is. You're too young to even get it. Sorry. I mean, uh, me and your father fucked up. They, I mean, I think they were probably optimistic. They're like, no, that, this wasn't going to ruin our child's life. It's just some shit that Amazon sells. It's a speaker that reads your recipes. And boy, were they shocked. Yeah. Anyways, Lauren Johnson from Massachusetts, USA, has started a campaign uh, called Alexa is a Human. She said... My daughter, Alexa, is nine now. The whole thing is a step beyond normal teasing and bullying. It's identity erasure. The word Alexa has become synonymous with servant or slave. It gives people a license to treat people with the name Alexa in a subservient manner. Lauren added that for older children, a lot of the Alexa jokes can be sexual in nature. Oh, yep. Fuck. Yep. You already, in your head, you're saying exactly what oh, kids on the playground are saying. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's rough. Yes. The people who were, you know, the ones who were, like, 13. How would they have known? How would they have known what their life would turn out thanks to Jeff Bezos? Look, I don't know. I want to speak for everyone, but I hated my name when I was a kid. Why? I would get teased for it because I didn't have a, nor like a normal name in my school. Because you were going by Richard? No. How is, how is Ricky not a normal name? I don't know. I remember being a kid and being like, can I just have a normal name, like, Chris or Steven or something like that? My name is Elliot. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you were, you, you were the kid from E.T. Yeah, I didn't like it. People would go up, go up to me all the time. Elliot. It was very annoying. And, and adults, too. So I do I did the experience a taste of this as a kid, and I fucking hated the it. The funniest thing uh, was that I, I obviously had no frame of reference for the joke, but I did have teachers that would... Uh, when, like, when I was in elementary school, I specifically remember my fifth grade teacher going, oh, Ricky, Ricky don't <laughs> use that number. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Man, names suck. Yeah. Uh, here's uh, one more example from that article. The issue also affects adults. Alexa lives in Hamburg, Germany, and suffers jokes both in her private and professional lives. If I do a presentation at work, as soon as I say my name, someone always makes a comment, she told the BBC. I think it's ethically unacceptable that a brand can hijack a human name and totally change its meaning. My name is my identity. I would encourage everyone who has called Alexa to fight for their name. It is Amazon who has to step back. I want to make it clear I'm not fighting for Amazon here. I think that Amazon should change the name. I'm just saying it's good. It's next to impossible. Well, they. I remember at the beginning when they first announced this, uh, the Echo speaker, a big uh, selling point not a selling point, but like a, a quirk in their marketing was just like, yeah, so Apple makes you call it Siri. Google makes you say, okay, Google. But like, you can call this like any name. For example, I don't know, I'm going to call mine mm, Alexa. And then, so it was, it was, they marketed it as like, you can call it anything you want. But everyone saw that ad and they're like, all right, so. And, and also Alexa was set as like the default name. Nobody fucking changed it. So it's like, I think they thought 
they were being clever. The problem is, is like even if they change the name now, the taunting is not going to go away. It's going to no. take a decade for yeah. this to fizzle out. So the damage is done. Yeah. Yeah. Go by your middle name. Or, or it's a nice chance to reinvent your life. You know, start new. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's what I've, that family in the first example did. <laughs> they changed schools. Like they're smart. They, they cut people out of their lives. Smart. Over, they did it over the name of a smart speaker. My, uh, oh we have a, a mutual friend who's a big Star Trek nerd, and he calls his Alexa device uh, computer, and it works. Yeah, computer changes. The... Like I live in Star Trek. It's cute. It, it, you know, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? Good for him because he's not perpetuating this stolen name, this name erasure. Stolen Alexa Valor. Uh-huh. But look, it obviously sounds incredibly annoying. I get it. I empathize with them. I'm just saying the damage is done. Yeah. It sucks. It really does. Amazon basically intentionally made women and girls around the world have to experience what Michael Bolton in Office Space deals with, but even worse, because that's a fictional character. <laughs> The BBC notes that in 2016, when Alexa devices were introduced in the UK, the name Alexa was the 167th most popular baby name. And just three years later, it dropped all the way down to 920th most popular by a bunch of sickos who are still using it. Jeff Bezos not only killed Sears and Barnes & Noble and Toys R Us, he also killed the name Alexa. And that's messed up. If every Alexa on Earth put their energy together in a couple days, Imagine just a big crowd they of might Alexis be marching up to, like, no. Washington. Mental energy at the rocket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The secret. Put it up on your vision board. Uh, a rocket just covered in flames with Jeff Bezos sticking his head out. In a video game. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Jeff Bezos, the CEO, entrepreneur, born in 1964, uh, he's got that big rocket launch coming up next week where he will be the uh, first, sorry, second billionaire in space. Yes, Richard Branson beat him to it. We talked about this. But technically, the Virgin Galactic flight, uh, it didn't cross the Kármán line, which is... Uh, so he didn't technically enter what astronomers consider space. Oh, so, Vir uh, Virgin did not go to space. They did not go to space. So Bezos can still declare victory once it's over, assuming he makes it back in one piece. It'd be a real shame if he didn't. Alexa? <laughs> <laughs> There's, of course, that change.org petition to not allow Jeff Bezos to return to Earth. But uh, those petitions, they don't do anything. Uh, here's a better idea. This Facebook group here titled, Shoot Your Leftover Fireworks at Jeff Bezos' Rocket So It Can't Return to Earth. <laughs> um, uh, sadly, that, I, that appears to just be a meme that someone made. But it's a good meme. Yeah. Bezos is definitely going to space and almost certainly going to be making it back in one piece. And it turns out whoever the mysterious, anonymous rich guy who dropped $28 million on last month's auction to fly to space with Bezos. Uh, oops, I should have checked my schedule. I can't make it. Yeah. Got a scheduling conflict. I guess something some things are more important than, I don't know, going to space with the richest man on oh, Earth. Oh, fuck. My, my space flight. I got a, my son's baseball day, game. I mean, it's probably some creepy rich guy shit. It's like, oh, I'm going to Bohemian Grove and sacrificing, uh, sacrificing a young boy that day. So I can't I miss can't it. can't make it. Yeah. can't miss it. Imagine being so rich, so rich. That you not only spend $28 million to be a part of a historic space launch, but you also can't find the time to actually do it uh, for an event that clearly was scheduled well in advance of the auction. Yeah, I mean, not super scheduled, far in advance, but like... No, it was scheduled specifically to coincide with the Apollo missions. Oh, yeah. So it's like this was going to happen. Hmm. Well, whoops. 
But yeah, he'll be on. He's there. He's just got bumped back. I'll get one of the next ones. I'll get, I'll get one of the next ones. But speaking of people who should be taxed more, they've already found a replacement for the auction winner. Oliver Damon, who at 18 years old will be the youngest person to ever visit space. Hmm. Now, Oliver Damon's this guy's actually a paying customer. He got bumped into the mystery man slot. So you may be wondering how a Dutch teenager can afford to go to space. And uh, yeah, the answer obviously is that his dad is obscenely rich and bought it for him. Uh, Oliver Damon's father is uh, Joe's Damer or Joe's Damer. I don't know. It's Dutch. But he's a big hedge fund guy who paid what's assumed to be millions of dollars to send his son to space for a few minutes. The exact I hate my son. Revealed, but yeah. <laughs> Hmm, they're saying this rocket might blow up. Uh, this, uh, look, this is going to be quicker than anyone imagined. The first Generation Z in space. First Zoomer in space. Holy first shit. First Zoomer. Some dab in zero G. Zoomers and boomers. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's Bezos, his brother, and this teenager from the Netherlands whose daddy bought him a trip on a rocket. But round- what'd your dad get you? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, rounding out the flight, in addition to those three, uh, is a non-paying fourth guest who actually deserves to see space and will be the oldest person to ever go. It's a 82-year-old Wally Funk, a female aviator who trained for spaceflight way back in the 60s but never had the chance to actually do it. So, good for her. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. But we also have to assume that her presence on this flight also functions as a sort of insurance policy. It's a way uh, to, at the very least, make people feel bad for wanting the rocket to explode. Like, oh, you want to kill this little old lady? No. This woman who achieved so much, you want her to blow up? It is the same thing we made a joke about the Alexa thing and the people are making jokes on change.org. If something happens with this, it is absolutely no one's fault except for the people who work at Blue Origin and specifically Jeff Bezos. I don't know. A lot of witches out there might disagree with you. <laughs> Look, this maybe this lady's a witch. We don't know. She's not a witch. She's a uh, accomplished female aviator. Mm-hmm. She ran the FAA. She's got like a million flight hours. She was going to go to space, but NASA said, no girls allowed. No, we're sending a female teacher instead. You'll be on the next one. <laughs> Jesus. And then that blew up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very sad. Anyways, um, yeah, there's your space news. We do have a lot more news coming up for mm-hmm. you, but first... A word from this week's sponsor, starting with Stitch Fix. Shopping for new clothes can be time-consuming, tedious, and expensive. Fortunately, Stitch Fix makes it easy to find clothes you love. Stitch Fix offers clothing hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique size, style, and budget. Every piece is chosen for your fit and your life, and it's the easy solution to finding what makes you look and feel your best. Try on pieces at home before you buy, keep your favorites, and send back the rest. Stitch Fix has free shipping, easy returns and exchanges, and a prepaid return envelope is included. There's no subscription required, so try Stitch Fix once, or you can even set up automatic deliveries. You'll pay just a $20 styling fee for each box, which gets you or gets credited towards pieces that you keep, and there are no hidden fees ever. Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion for women, men, and kids. They ship all over the U.S. and the U.K. as well. Get started today at stitchfix.com newsday, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That is stitchfix.com newsday for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. stitchfix.com newsday. And this episode is sponsored by Mack Weldon. Kick your summer off in style with the brand that's reinventing men's basics. Mack Weldon is so much more than just underwear. Their full collection includes t-shirts, polos, button-ups, shorts, pants, swims, and so much more. With light and breathable fabric technology, Mack Weldon keeps you cool and comfortable all summer long. 
From work to working out, happy hour to playing with your kids, Mack Weldon has men's essentials for whatever your day includes. Uh, we always talk about how comfortable Mack Weldon sweatpants are. I'm wearing them right now. I got my undies on. But uh, yeah, it's summertime and uh, their sweat shorts and their active shorts, they're literally essential if you want to keep cool and comfortable out in that uh, insane heat. Yeah. Dive into Mack Weldon's swim line with trunk and board short options that are quick to dry and they have four-way stretch fabric. When you're not in the pool, Mack Weldon's new Maverick Tech Chino short and Radius short are the perfect additions to your summer wardrobe. They'll keep you comfortable so that you can confidently power through your most active days. Mack Weldon, they also have a free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level 1 gets you free shipping for life, and once you reach level 2 by spending $200, you'll get 20% off every order for the next year. Stay cool this summer and look great doing it with all new collections of men's essentials from Mack Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com Newsday and enter promo code Newsday. That is MacWeldon.com Newsday, promo code Newsday for 20% off. Mack Weldon, reinventing men's basics. Back to the news now. So you remember a little while back when we talked about how the FBI and its counterparts and a bunch of other world governments had uh, successfully tricked criminals around the world into using encrypted phones that were essentially just FBI listening devices. It was brilliant. Uh, the use of encrypted phones, specifically designed for and sold to organized criminals, had been a major roadblock to law enforcement for years. So they just made their own and they managed to get thousands of criminals to buy them and use them. When the truth about these phones was revealed along with mass arrests in multiple countries, not a lot of specific information about the phones themselves was provided. But since then, people have managed to get their hands on these phones, usually by accident. Turns out a lot of original owners of uh, Anom encrypted phones decided to just mm, sell their devices once the jig was up. And uh, a lot of unsuspecting buyers ended up with some very weird phones that aren't capable of a whole lot. The folks at uh, Vice's motherboard managed to get their hands on one of these phones after a buyer accidentally purchased one. So uh, let's read from what they found. The sleek black phone seems perfectly normal. Unlocking the Google Pixel 4a with a pin code reveals some common apps. Tinder, Instagram, Facebook, Netflix, and even Candy Crush. But none of those apps work, and tapping their icons doesn't do anything. Resetting the phone and typing in another pin opens up an entirely different section of the device with a new background and new apps. Now in place of the old apps sit a clock, a calculator, and the device's settings. Clicking the calculator doesn't open a calculator, it opens a login screen. Enter Anom ID and a password, the screen reads. Hidden in the calculator is a concealed messaging app called Anom, which last month we learned was an FBI honeypot. On Anom, criminals believed they could communicate securely with the app encrypting their messages. They were wrong. An international group of law enforcement agencies, including the FBI, were monitoring their messages and announced hundreds of arrests last month. International authorities have held press conferences to tout the operation's success, but have provided few details on how the phones actually functioned. When booting up the phone, it displays a logo for an operating system called Arcane OS. Very little information is publicly available on Arcane OS. It's this detail that has helped lead several people who have ended up with Anom phones to realize something was unusual about their device. Most posts online discussing the operating system appear to be written by people who have recently inadvertently bought an Anom device and found it doesn't work like an ordinary phone. After the FBI announced the Anom operation, some Anom users have scrambled to get rid of their device, including selling it to unsuspecting people online. The person Motherboard obtained the phone from was in Australia, where authorities initially spread the Anom devices as a pilot before expanding into other countries. They say they contacted the Australian Federal Police, or AFP, in case the phone or the person who sold it was of interest to them. When the AFP didn't follow up, the person agreed to sell the phone to Motherboard for the same price they paid. They said they originally bought it from a site similar to Craigslist. Besides Arcane OS, the phone has a few other interesting features and settings. Ordinarily, Android phones have a setting to turn location tracking off or on. 
There appears to be no setting for either on this device. The phone offers pin scrambling, where the pin entry screen will randomly rearrange the digits, potentially stopping third parties from figuring out the device's passcode if watching someone type it in. The status bar at the top of the screen includes a shortcut for what appears to be a wipe feature on the phone, with an icon showing a piece of paper going through a shredder. Mm. Users can also set up a wipe code, which will wipe the device from the lock screen, and configure the phone to automatically wipe if left offline for a specific period of time, according to the phone's settings reviewed by Motherboard. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a pretty good trap device. Yeah, not really useful if you're just trying to buy a phone off Craigslist. Yeah, no, that would be upsetting. Google Pixel 4a. I've always wanted one of these. Oh, my other one just died. Hmm. This will be great. Hmm. Anyways, hopefully nobody is paying too much money for these phones on the secondhand market because they're essentially useless unless you really want to just send messages directly to your FBI agent. <laughs> Most of the typical functionality you'd expect from a smartphone, it's gone. And there doesn't seem to be any way at this point to turn an Anon phone back into a normal phone. But hey, let's say you're not a criminal and you aren't up to anything shady. You just want a phone that offers privacy and freedom. Freedom. Well, great news. Because this week, a guy named Eric Finman, the self-described world's youngest Bitcoin millionaire, introduced the Freedom Phone. Thank you for your service. So uh, Finman posted a video about the Freedom Phone to Twitter and other services with the caption, Today I'm announcing the Freedom Phone. This is the first major pushback on the big tech companies that attacked us for just thinking different. Complete with its own uncensorable app store and privacy features. We're finally taking back control. And uh, yeah, you might be picking up on some hints of some MAGA nonsense from that, but you know, whatever. But yeah, you watch the video that's attached to that tweet and it basically confirms that. There's lots of e emphasis on uh, big tech censorship and how the Freedom Phone has apps that Apple and Google won't let you download. And there's other stuff in there about how Freedom OS blocks app tracking and keyboard tracking, which sounds great, but this is clearly being marketed as the Megaphone. Which is a great name that yeah. they should use. They should have used that. Mm -hmm. And it's got like all the endorsements from people like Candace Owens, Roger Stone, and Dinesh D'Souza to prove that it is literally the Megaphone. Something uh, tells me that they're probably just getting paid to say that. Oh, they definitely are. They've they even, are they've absolutely even got not promo, going to. They've uh, all got promo codes uh, for when you sign up for your Freedom Phone. Yeah. But hey, before we go calling this all a huge grift, let's at least go to freedomphone.com for more details on this device. Surprisingly, it doesn't redirect to Frank's speech. <laughs> just because it's being marketed to a right-wing audience, hey, that doesn't mean it's not a good device for privacy and freedom from a mainstream app ecosystem, right? Well, looking at this website, there really isn't a whole lot of information. I mean, next to each big selling point where you'd usually see a button to find more information, there's just a buy it now button. <laughs> Trust us. Yeah. This website actually somehow has less information about the phone than the two and a half minute, minute video that's promoting it. Uh, they don't go into specifics about anything, not even basic specs. So you're going in blind in a lot of ways here. Yeah. You can pre-order the Freedom Phone, though, for $500. More than a Valve Steam Deck. More than a lot of last year's smartphones. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, roll the dice. They're, you don't even know how much onboard storage is here. Yeah, they don't even say that. No information. 16 gigs, 128, 512. Could what be is anything. It? I don't know. You're getting the Freedom Phone and you're going to like it, whatever you get. Where is it manufactured? Uh, I'll never tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this does it, this does very much seem to be the right-wing grift that we assumed. Uh, here's the Daily Dot. 
Matthew Hickey, co-founder of the cybersecurity firm Hacker House, told the Daily Dot that the Freedom Phone appears to be nothing more than a rebranded UmiDigi A9 Pro, a Chinese smartphone that costs as little as $119 on AliExpress. Yes, that's what I meant when I said, where is this manufactured? <laughs> Quote, this device is a drop-shipped, customizable Android-based phone, Hickey said. They can be bought and shipped in bulk from Asia with custom logos and branding so as to give the appearance of a phone that has been designed for a unique purpose. Hickey added that the phone is notorious for its poor security due largely to its use of processors from MediaTek, a Taiwanese company that provides chips for smartphones. Quote, I have never encountered a secure MediaTek device in my entire life, Hickey said. Using MediaTek for anything and expecting privacy or security is fundamentally flawed. <laughs> Hickey even stated that MediaTek's processors are widely used in smartphones throughout North Korea due to their highly customizable nature and low security barrier, which allows the regime to easily implement surveillance backdoors. Yeah, that's mm. when I was talking to you about this on Discord, I was like, this is a honeypot. You're like, no, yeah. it's a grift. And I'm like, why can't it be both? But it, at its base level, if you're not worried about any of that, it's a soldier boy phone. Yeah, yeah. I think you still think it's more of a grift because it's like the person who's going to buy the Freedom Phone based off of how it's been marketed knows absolutely nothing about technology. Mm -hmm. You give them, give them the Freedom Phone, you tell them it's encrypted and they can't get censored or banned there and they're like, Awesome. But in, I, I have so much power now. Throw the ball back to me, honeypot. You tell them that, and they're going to say shit that they wouldn't normally say on a phone messaging device, well, email, whatever. If it's not a honeypot, I'm sure the FBI is kicking themselves for not thinking of this sooner. Or seeing an opportunity as it's being marketed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think you understand that we're saying don't buy this phone. I mean, you wouldn't do that. No. Your dad, your mom, maybe. Yeah, well, Your knowing uncle. how things go uh, on YouTube, they're probably running an ad for it before this video. <laughs> I hope they are. The, the Donald Trump video the other day is just like, ah, you, you, we need the money to fight back on our video. Like, dude, the, these boomers are giving Donald Trump money, and he's giving it to us yeah. to market his brand to people that don't give a shit about it. Thank him. you for letting us in on the grift. <laughs> We're a gri proxy grift. Anyway, the fact that this Eric Finman, uh, his promo video claims that <laughs> no apps will be banned from the phone's Patri app store. Oh. Uh, that also set off a ton of immediate red flags from people who uh, pointed out the obvious. Uh, such a store would likely be filled to the brim with malware. Yes. Uh, You're going to be a victim if you buy this phone. Yeah, I mean, if I'm a scammer, I'm getting excited for the Freedom Phone. Yeah, oh, like, baby. Oh, freedom for me to make a ton of money off a bunch of idiots. Uh, I made so many apps with the Freedom Phone, you should download all of them because uh, Google doesn't want you to see it. Apple doesn't want you to see it. Download these apps. No surveillance, Freedom Phone, Way easier, Patriot App Store. Easier to get boomers on this phone than the jitterbug. Yeah. Uh, here's the Daily Dot again. Other issues surround the Freedom Phone's app store, known as Patriot App. The company has not explained what protections, if any, have been put in place to ensure that malware is kept from being introduced. Quote, the Google and Apple app stores implement a rigorous code inspection process before making applications available. And whilst this is not foolproof, it helps prevent a wide range of common malware being loaded onto devices, Hickey said. The Freedom Phone offers an app store that promises not to censor apps, but has not made it clear how it will perform this vital process while keeping out malware. You just got to have faith. Our security is... Pray on it. It, it. it should be a shield with a cross. Faith-based security. Yeah, faith-based security. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm so excited for this to come out. It comes out next month. Perfect. I can't wait to see the unboxing videos. Mm -hmm. On uh, It better have an eagle that like flies across the screen when you, yeah. when you boot it up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for the Freedom Phone. Uh, you and every government agency. Yep. But hey, it's a great grift. And speaking of grifts, 
another prominent figure in the crypto world, or at least formerly prominent figure, made the news this week when he appeared on Twitter for the first time in years to act actually just shit all over the crypto world. Mm -hmm. Jackson Palmer, the guy who created Dogecoin, has been out of the crypto game for a long time after creating Dogecoin as a joke back in 2013. So it must have been surreal for him to see this dumb thing that he did eight years ago get so wildly popular earlier this year. He's also believed to have sold most of, if not all, of his Dogecoin before the insane exponential growth, which may have influenced his opinion on all this. But here's what he said this past week. I am often asked if I will return to cryptocurrency or begin regularly sharing my thoughts on the topic again. My answer is a wholehearted no, but to avoid repeating myself, I figure it might be worthwhile briefly explaining why here. After years of studying it, I believe that cryptocurrency is an inherently right-wing, hyper-capitalistic technology built primarily to amplify the wealth of its proponents through a combination of tax avoidance, diminished regulatory oversight, and artificially enforced scarcity. Despite claims of decentralization, the cryptocurrency industry is controlled by a powerful cartel of wealthy figures who, with time, have evolved to incorporate many of the same institutions tied to the existing centralized financial system they supposedly set out to replace. The cryptocurrency industry leverages a network of shady business connections, bot influencers, and pay-for-play media outlets to perpetuate a cult-like get-rich-quick funnel designed to extract new money from the financially desperate and naive. Financial exploitation undoubtedly existed before cryptocurrency, but cryptocurrency is almost purpose-built to make the funnel of profiteering more efficient for those at the top and less safeguarded for the vulnerable. It continues, cryptocurrency is like taking the worst parts of today's capitalist system, e.g. corruption, fraud, inequality, and using software to technically limit the use of interventions, e.g. audits, regulation, taxation, which serve as protections or safety nets for the average person. Lose your savings account password? Your fault. Fall victim to a scam? Your fault. Billionaires manipulating markets? They're geniuses. This is the type of dangerous free-for-all capitalism cryptocurrency was unfortunately architected to facilitate since its inception. But these days, even the most modest critique of cryptocurrency will draw smears from the powerful figures in control of the industry and the ire of retail investors who they've sold the false promise of one day being a fellow billionaire. Good faith debate is near impossible. For these reasons, I simply no longer go out of my way to engage in public discussion regarding cryptocurrency. It doesn't align with my politics or belief system, and I don't have the energy to try and discuss that with those unwilling to engage in a grounded conversation. I applaud those with the energy to continue asking the hard questions and applying the lens of rigorous skepticism all technologies should be subject to. New technology can make the world a better place, but not when decoupled from its inherent politics or societal consequences. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, He's probably been getting hit up a lot over the last year. Hey, you rich. Hey, that thing you made. Elon Musk tweeting about it all the time. It was on SNL. What do you think about it? So, yeah. Never ask me about this again, but here's what here's my final word on it. And, and I'm uh, sure that there's a bunch of, like, it would be completely in, unnatural for him to not be upset about the skyrocketing value. Sure. But, uh, yeah, obviously he must be kicking himself over it. But also it's just like, why is this dumb fucking thing I made that was never intended? Exactly. This was literally a joke about how circa like 2013-ish, like just tons of shit coins started flooding the market. This guy was like, look at that. It's on a NASCAR. Yeah. Well, my, my work here is done. Well, see ya. Reddit loves it. But anyway, there you have it. I mean, if you're heavily invested in crypto, you probably strongly agree with everything he just said. And if you've been burned bad by crypto, you probably agree with it. Um But regardless, it is kind of crazy hearing the creator of one of the most popular cryptocurrencies just slamming the entire crypto ecosystem as a cult and a scam. 
And uh, this is where we would usually say, but what do you think? But we know that you're already several paragraphs into your response down there. So carry on. And we're in the comments trying to find those various Internet Today Hello, accounts. it is me, Internet Today. I have a new coin for you. Yeah. <laughs> it is me, pinned comment, Internet Today. It's literally like... It literally says pinned comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and they'll, <laughs> they'll change, like I'll, I'll, I'll ban them from the channel, and they'll change like a zero to an O. Yeah. Or like... You know, whatever. It's so good. Yeah, or it's I like... I hate it, but it's great. I admire their resilience. We're saying to you again... If you see us down there... Promoting cryptocurrency... Promoting crypto, it's not us. Not us. But you know that. You're no. smart. Anyways, make sure you watch our most recent videos uh, over here. We got we got one about how... Uh, look, he's not going away. We'll say that much. And then also a, a new episode of Weekly Weird News. And uh, we'll be back with some more videos for you. So stay tuned for that. Hit the subscribe button. Hit that like button. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.